And so I want to talk to you today out of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read 13 verses of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 20. Ephesians chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 8 through 20. Paul, the apostle, is writing. And he says, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light the administration of the mystery which was for the ages has been hidden in God who created all things, 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance was in accordance with the eternal purpose with which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have the boldness and confident access through faith in him. 13, therefore I ask you not to become discouraged about my, my tribulations on your behalf, since they are for your glory. For this reason I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory, 21, in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Three points I'd like to take from this. Lord, help us as we study your word. Paul's vision for the church, the prayer for the church, and the hope of the church. Paul realizes he's got a very unique calling. It's not like Peter's. It's not like James. It's not like John's. He's got a unique calling. He is a Jew, grew, grew up in the hierarchy of the religious system in the Jewish order. Went to the finest school in the country, the school of Gamaliel in Jerusalem. One of the protégés who everybody believed in the Pharisaical sect would take over. He would be the guy who would be in charge. He was wise. He was zealous. He understood the law of God very well. He loved his nation. He was unusually competent to do what needed to be done for the Jewish people. Then Jesus comes and saves him on the road to Damascus where he was going to take captive people who loved Jesus. Radically changes his life. From that moment, he now is a, is, is a, is a representative of the people he was trying to persecute. And God begins to rearrange his brain in so many different ways, not just about what it meant to not persecute the people that he needed to be a part of, and to win people who were like him, People who did not like Jesus, weren't interested in Jesus, and now could come into the house, become a part of the family of God. But now it wasn't just the Jewish people upon whom he needed to concentrate. It was people like us. Most of the people in this congregation don't have a Jewish lineage. You can't call naturally your grandpa Abraham. He's, he's not that. He's not mine. I'm not quite sure how I got here. I don't know what my lineage goes back to. I've tried Ancestry.com. It's a little bit difficult for people of African-American origin because you get to the point of slavery and sometimes the slave masters did not keep very good records. It wasn't to their advantage to claim how many 
how many pieces of property they had for tax purposes. Are you listening to me? I'm just reporting. I could be critical and not be wrong. But this morning, I'm just reporting. It wasn't to their advantage to claim everybody. And sometimes those people that they did claim didn't even have their last name. So it was just first name or designate. Slave one, slave two. Female slave one, female slave two. So you get there and you think, well, I know who my great-great-grandparents were. But I don't have any, I, I can't figure out. I know the region, but I don't know the farm. I don't know the plantation. I and so I get stuck. I don't know where I came from. Generally, yes. Africa. Specifically, no. But I do know this. Abraham is not in my lineage. I know that to be true. So here... Paul gets this insight that God didn't just care about Abraham and his kids. That when he made his promise about redemption, it was the promise to humanity through Adam and Eve. Not just through Abraham. Abraham happened to be the choice person through whom he was going to bring the Messiah and everything would work. But it doesn't mean that simply because he chose Abraham that he neglected everybody else. That was just the way he was bringing it to all of humanity because God was not just concerned about Abraham. He was concerned about Adam. And we are all a part of Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said, Eve, you're going to have some problems. It's going to be difficult to bear children and, and, and other issues. But I want you to know, the one you bear, the enemy will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. That was a promise to Eve. And then by association, Adam, that you all will bear a child that will fix everything you did wrong. So God was thinking about Adam, which the person, Adam and Eve, the people from which we all came, not just Abraham. But all the Jews were thinking about, because this had been their history for the last, gosh, 2,000, 2,200 years, that God was focusing on the people of Israel. They thought, we are God's only, not just God's first. And so they got stuck. And everybody was only thinking Jesus was a Jew. He came to the Jews. He died for the Jews. He really didn't die for the world. So now he's just our Jewish Messiah. God had to fix that theologically with Peter in Acts chapter 10. He did so. But it didn't change any of their philosophy or their strategy. They didn't intentionally go after people like us. And the one who had the heart for us was, was Paul. I, God said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles and to kings. You wonder why in the world he intentionally said when he was incarcerated, starting from Acts chapter 20, 21, all the way through, when he was incarcerated, he said, I appeal to Rome because he had a prophecy in Acts chapter 9 where God said, I'm sending you to kings. And he had already been in ministry a good decade, but he hadn't hit, hit a king yet. And so he said, I appeal to Caesar. He said, this is the way for me to get to ministry where I know I'm supposed to touch people of influence. But his, his entire ministry, starting in Acts chapter 13, and maybe even before that, because we have a period of 14 years where he was out in the wilderness of Arabia, and we don't know what he was doing, but we know he was preaching the gospel, but we don't know how, we don't know what. 
But we do know when he got engaged into the ministry of planting churches, like we see in Acts, it was about 10 years till we get to the point of him then being incarcerated for his, his, mm, the latter part of his ministry and appealing to Rome. And we know that this guy came out of Arabia somehow with a firebrand about what it meant to take this gospel to the Gentiles, us. And so this is the background to what he is saying. To me, the very least of all the saints was given this mystery which was hidden from all the ages. None of y'all could figure it out, neither could our fathers nor their fathers, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and that he wanted to make sure that this, this mystery, these unfathomable riches, unfathomable, unfathomable means you can't plummet. It is impossible to figure out how deep it is because every time you go as deep as you can, it gets deeper. That's the wonderful thing about who our God is. You can't figure them all out. Because he's too big. He's too wonderful. When you think you plumb the depth of, of his love, you haven't even come close. And this is why he says in the end, I want you to understand the depth, the width, the breadth, and the length of the love of God. And to know who he is, which is unknowable. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. He understands that our God is bigger than us. Yeah. And simply because we can't get it all, doesn't mean we need to give up trying to get it all. We don't need to raise our hands and say, well, it doesn't mean anything because I can't figure out all the truth. Oh, you little-brained human being. <laughs> you think you can capture all the purposes of God? You are not him. And when you get to the end of where you can figure stuff out, you do not allow futility to enter into your soul, but worship because you realize I have accessed all the resources in my synaptic brain and I cannot figure this out, which means I have confidence that my God is bigger than me that allows him then to enter into my circumstances of difficulty beyond my competency and help me. Oh, gosh, to me was given this mystery to let the entire world know through the church that his, his goodness could be seen through Gentiles. It doesn't mean he excluded the Jews. He just added. He didn't let go of his Jewish influence or, or impact. He just added the, the, the Gentile. And Gentile simply means the nations other than the, the Jews. He added us intentionally and, 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 and the word here and this is why it's so important for us the word here it says so that the manifold wisdom I had this revelation so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places the word manifold your Bible might read multifaceted is the, the word that was used in the Septuagint which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, to describe Joseph's coat of many colors. So let, 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 let's, let's read this like Paul was trying to say it. God has given me this mystery that I might help the church become the institution that can proclaim his multicolored wisdom to the principalities and powers it be. There is a reason we built this way. There's a reason we, we decided, let's do it like Paul. 
Though we don't have the issue so much with Jew and Gentile, we do have other issues of disparity and animosity where folks don't like one another. Jews didn't like much of Gentiles. Gentiles didn't like much of Jews. And Paul thought it was a really good idea to put them in the same room. <laughs> Call them one church, not two. Paul thought that was the best way to reflect to the demonic realm God's will in the earth. That's why we are the way we are. It's not by accident. We are protected it this way. Not saying that we have a better architectural plan than anybody else. Jerusalem was amazing. Peter, James, John, I mean, what a staff. What a staff. You got 11 apostles. Judas didn't make it. 11 apostles. <laughs> they replaced him with Matthias. So it was 12. 11 apostles that are just stunning. All of them, iconic historical figures. That's the church staff. Wow. That's the governorship. Wow. You can't get a better church in the earth than that. So I'm not saying that mono-ethnic, homogenous churches are somehow less than. In no way. You go to Korea, eh, it's all Koreans. You go to West Africa, eh, it's all West Africans. Nigerians. I just had a wonderful moment with our pastor in Lagos, Nigeria last week where I was doing a virtual prayer meeting with him, and they asked me to give an exhortation. Pastor Song Ayetuban, wow, what a man. He's established 26 congregations in West Africa. He's got a church of 7,000. He, he and his wife, Grace, are outstanding Christians, and living with integrity in the nation of Nigeria is a challenge. It's a challenge. I'm not saying that with respect to some declension in my opinion of Nigerians I'm not I'm giving testimony about what he does he his life has been threatened because of his integrity his integrity they just don't like the light and I mean not just threatened somebody tried to take his life because of his integrity this man is outstanding but everybody in this church is black Everybody in this church is Nigerian. I think it's great. Wonderful. But that's not our community. Are you listening to me? If Paul were pastoring in Jerusalem, he'd build with Jews. But he was sent to the world. We are called to reach the people in our neighborhood. And not just establish monoethnic communities on the basis of their ethnicity. We're called to bring them together. That's why our, 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 our night of worship had three languages on the screen in worship. And then you had to pick one. <laughs> just, just pick one you want to sing in. I don't care. Just, just do it. We had people singing in different languages up here. Why? Because we've got a Korean congregation. We've got two Latino congregations now. Two. We just started a new one three weeks ago in Sterling. That's congregation number seven for us in this area. And then we got us. <sighs> my, my, my point is, we are doing this because our community looks like this. And where there are differences that seem to be insurmountable, almost impossible to overcome, we address them. Where there's animosity, we confront it. And we bring in the principles of reconciliation to see healing and hope. That's what we do. 
It's not easy. It's e- Let me say this. The complications to build monoethnically are less than the complications to build multi-ethnically. Because you have the same problems in both with respect to people's selfishness. Their inadequacy, insecurities, their ego, all that pride, all that. Same problems in both. But then you intentionally add the black-white thing. <laughs> Just go ahead and add, add some spice to the recipe. No, it's too hot. These jokers here, these two, had me do the, what, do you, what, what, what did I do? That thing with the, oh, yeah. the, yeah, the, what was challenge? The hot ones, challenge. So we, we increased the level of intensity with the pepper, uh, the, 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 the sauce, six times. And by the seventh, I was on the ground crawling, <laughs> asking God for mercy. For, unfortunately, the, the, the audio didn't work out or you would have seen it all. Oh, it, no. oh they saw it anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing. It's in the vault <laughs> and they're going to threaten to use it if I talk about it real bad. <laughs> We added, we added 20,000, what do you call it? 20,000 Scovilles. Two million Scovilles. Two million Scovilles to the thing. And I was just dying. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just dying for, for five minutes. It like dealt with me all night. <laughs> just my belly and my eyes and my tongue. And I thought my, I thought my tongue was going to fall out of my mouth. We intentionally added 20 million Scovilles to the recipe by doing the black-white thing. And not just window dressing, not just making it look good, but talking about issues. You have to read my book. I don't have time. Paul, Paul said, this is what we're supposed to do to let the principalities and powers know this is the perfect will of God on the earth. And this deals in the area of reconciliation unlike any other in the earth. Brings healing unlike any other in the earth. When a people like this can get together and become one church that, were, that, that feel like they ought to be two, the devil screams because of the power of unity. Where he's tried to split humanity from one another. This is the one place where they are whole. This is why he says to the church at Ephesus, He broke down the dividing wall. He destroyed it, making the two people one. Boy, it's 948. I'm on point one. prayer for the church I bow my knees before the father from whom all the family in heaven and earth derives its name I don't think he's talking about every family in the earth I think he's talking about whole family called the church and the church in glory that's we derive our name from him and he says I want you to have all the strength and power that God provides and I want you to know the love of Christ I want you to understand what it means to have him dwell on the inside of you. And I desperately, I desperately want you to, to, to think about what it means for us to know the height and the depth and the width and the length. And to know 
the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. And Paul is doing everything he can to say press in to figure out the basics and the elementary principles and the deepest things to which you can go in Scripture. Take out your shovel when you open your Bible. Mine out that which God might, might, might not reveal to others. Because this is a man who mined out things that the other apostles and Peter was the, was the chief. He had not mined it out himself. He couldn't figure it out. He actually had to have a revelation from God in Acts chapter 10 where a sheep came down and all kind of unclean and clean, unclean animals were in it. And God said, get up and eat, boy. He said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And that was a picture about how, how he needs to partake in relationship with people that he considered unclean, Gentiles. He had to have a special revelation, not through study, but from God Almighty to say, reach out to these people because those are the folks for whom I died. What is wrong with you? And then he had to be almost apprehended to go to a man's house to minister. Literally, soldiers were sent. If he had said no, there might have been some problems. Roman soldiers were sent to pick him up. Now, they were sent friendly because the guy from whom they were sent was told by an angel, send some people to go get Peter at this spot. And this, the guy who was in charge wanted the, the goodness of God. He wasn't trying to apprehend anybody. He just wanted help from God. So these, these were nice soldiers. But Peter didn't know how nice they were. They just showed up at the door. And he's thinking, oh, the military's here to get me. I'm going to die a martyr's death. And God said, go with him. I've sent them. Then he began to minister. And he thought he was so ascending in his orientation that his presence was so important that he would preach a very good message. And somehow from his ministry, these people would then come to the knowledge of the truth and maybe at least be second-class citizens. He was on a mercy mission. And in the middle of his message, all these people begin to speak in tongues. Holy Spirit falls in the middle of... He in, God interrupted Peter's message. And while he's preaching like... This is what he says to his compatriots who were there. If they receive the Holy Spirit like we did, can we stop them from being baptized? That was his mindset, second-class citizens. They can only come in so far. They can be in the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, but only the Jews can go in the inner court. But that, we can't stop. And then he had to go back and explain what happened to the church, the leaders in Jerusalem. They said, nah, nah, really? Really? God came on the... No, really? Wow. Well, okay, I guess we got to accept him. That was the idea of all the Jewish people. Paul dug. He got out his shovel and began to dig in Scripture. And he began to see that God was interested in all the children of Adam, not just the children of Abraham. And as a result, we are now free plumb the depths of what does God want you to do? How does he want you to love? How does he want you to be? Figure out what the width and breadth and length and height of his love is for you and others. Go beyond your parameters and your barriers and your boundaries. 
and begin to know Christ in a different way than you presently do. And as you do, you'll know him differently after that. And as you continue to press, you'll know him differently after that because the love of Christ surpasses all knowledge. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful adventure from which you will never return. You don't ever come back home. Once you get out there, you stay. And then you just keep going further and further and further in the knowledge of God. And as I close, masterfully, by the way, if I say <laughs> He says, now to him. <laughs> okay, we got this church that's, that's in the image of Ephesus and Corinth and all the idea that Paul had about what it means to be together with people you don't like, people you got issue with, groups you, don't, you wish you didn't have to be with. We got this church now. We did it. The Lord did it. We partnered with him. That's great. Now what? Oh, that's not the purpose. That's just the on the way goal. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Oh, because you got here, you're ready to get someplace else. Yet still greater. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or think. We have no idea what God wants to do with us. We have an idea what we want him to do with us. But listen, I had no idea that you'd be here. You are way beyond my expectation. When I got right with God, all I wanted to do is to make sure I didn't embarrass my mama anymore. Every time she tried to explain me to her friends, what's Brett doing? Well, he's at Howard University. Oh, he got employed by the school? No, not exactly. <laughs> well, what's he doing there? Well, he's, he's preaching the gospel, I think. Oh, he's in, he's in the chaplaincy program? No, not exactly. <laughs> well, what is, how does he, well, he just goes on campus and preaches. Is he invited? No, not exactly. <laughs> wanted to do is to have something my mama didn't have to explain. <laughs> have a couple of hundred people so she always passed through the church. She's doing great. <laughs> and God did. God did. God did exceedingly. Abundantly. Beyond all that I can ask or think. And there is yet. There is yet. Still greater. Daddy, I love you. I thank you for what you've done. I pray your blessing on us as a people so we can get it right in the days to come. All we want to do is make you happy. We just want to bring a smile to your face because we yielded to you that you might use us to benefit a city. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past and your life doesn't look anything. Now what, what, what a Christian ought to be like and 
you want to make a change. Anybody in the room who wants to get right with God today? Raise your hand if you do. I see that hand. Bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. Anybody else? All right, you who raised your hand and you who are online, pray with me. If you want to make this decision, Father, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be said and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. We've got a New Believers Toolkit here for you. We want to give it to you. <clears throat> you can come down front, pick one up, or you can go outside, turn right to the information desk. In here, there's a Bible, Bible study, pen, and a pad. All we want to do is help you become better and fulfill the decision you made today. You online, check at the bottom of the chat box. Somebody will help you as well. Congratulations on your decision.